I'm Jackie Miller, Certified High Conflict Divorce Coach and Consultant, as well as your host of this podcast, Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. I had the pleasure of talking with Chris Berry and Lisa Johnson, who founded BeenThereGotOut.com, which provides support for those that have suffered through narcissistic abuse. Chris and Lisa found love when they came together. They have now joined forces using their experiences to help others through the difficult journey of healing from narcissistic abuse. Please join me for this three-part series as we explore each of their very different stories and how they are now helping others. I am back with Chris Berry and Lisa Johnson. They are the founders of beentheregotout.com. They have endured their own abuse from toxic people in their marriages, and then it bled on into the divorce, as we all know, which is usually how it works. And so we ended our conversation in part one, which thank you for sharing your whole relationship and marriage stories with us uh, so we can see how it led up to this moment. But now the post-separation abuse starts. And so Lisa, would you start talking about your divorce? Cause again, I know your, your stories are very different. What, what's, how did it start? I had emotionally detached from my marriage, but I stayed in the home and in the relationship because I knew I really wanted to correctly, especially financially. So, um, I got, uh, I talked to a friend who worked in the courthouse who recommended an attorney and uh, who had been a friend of hers. And this guy was such a kind hearted individual. And during our consult, I remember, cause I, I thought, oh, you know, this, this guy had been my best friend and all this, we were together all these years. He seems like a good father. You know, he's just crazy and bad in certain areas, but you know, this should be an amicable divorce. And we both agree. Like before that he had started a sort of discard, even though I, right. Power thing. So the attorney said during the very first meeting, this is going to be a bad one. Um, but he, so he knew, he said, this is going to take at least a year and in Connecticut, you have a year to mediate and try to agree. Otherwise, it immediately goes to trial. Oh, oh interesting. Okay, thank you for that. During that time, he was out of the house. I thought we both had agreed. I mean, we had tried three rounds of different therapists, not just the first one I talked about. I was so done. I thought he was so done. So I hired this lawyer. He said, what I want you to try to do, Lisa, is go to mediation, but don't say that you have an attorney, which was so smart. He said, so I smart. will be like the consult and you act all innocent and whatever, because that'll disarm him. The mediator obviously is not, you know, they have to remain neutral, but you'll be getting advice from me on the different things that you should ask for and what you should do. He goes, it's not going to work. You're not going to finish the whole thing in mediation, but you're going to save yourself thousands and thousands of dollars in court fees and legal fees. So everyone listen up because I think this (laughs) is, I don't give legal advice. I'm not an attorney, but I think that this is a really good story. So continue, please. Sorry for the interruption. So we went to mediation. Problem was, so mediation was $900 a session. And you know, I'm misorganized. I got all my files and financials and everything. He showed up with a blank legal pad every single meeting. And he kept trying to, and everybody should know this because this is what they do, kept saying, we don't need to spend this money. We can do it ourselves. Let's not waste money. Okay. In the meantime, he had been hiding money from me the entire marriage. I mean, siphoning out so much money. You know, I always suspected certain things because he he and his sister owned a lot of pop. They own a lot of property together, make excuses. The houses aren't making any money, blah, blah, blah. Mail goes to a different address, whatever. Wow. So, you know, oh, but still like, you know how much I love you. I love the kids. I will, of course, take care of you. My lawyer was like, don't be alone with him ever, ever. 
do not listen to anything he's saying. And I'm torn because, you know, I'm still thinking he's this good guy. Thank God I listened to my attorney. Mm-hmm. We went to mediation. We got nowhere financially. So we started working on what we call the parenting agreement, which is custody. Now, sure. I got so lucky with this one because even though my ex knew that the kids really mattered to me, money was his thing and money was the thing that distracted him. So it was, it was like in a few minutes, he's like, well, of course you'll have the kid, you know, of course the kids are going to be with you. But like Chris's ex, he was going and we'll do the nesting thing. So, you know, I'll come for dinner all the time. We can still date. Like I'll stay there on the weekends. And in my head, I'm like, you are hey. freaking way. Like you're out. Like, that's why we're done. We're, we're getting a divorce. We're not dating. <laughs> we're mediating and divorce. And you want yeah. to go. To- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like didn't I want. He, didn't he also say to you that we can continue dating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I just said. <laughs> he wants to date. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So, oh, it's going to be so great. Like we'll start again. You know, as if like twenty years of this crap. Like I'm going to start again. Um, so the parenting thing. So the mediator who was my lawyer got angry about this because he's like he should have been able to see it with all that um, hiding of the assets. But the mediator said, you know, well, everything is basically joint legal custody. So let's just do that unless there's some extreme circumstances. Now, I didn't know there was going to be extreme circumstances. So on paper, we put joint legal custody. I had primary physical custody. Okay. The thing is, is like uh, a week after he, I got him out of the house, he like disappeared. I mean, he was living at his father's house, but like my kids were so were out of their minds and he didn't really answer them. And then even though we had this parenting agreement in place, he didn't do any of it. He didn't, he didn't come for any visits. He just thought he'd come in, use the stove when he wanted and and breeze in and out. And the kids were just like, no, we don't want to see you. Like we're really- And Lisa, how old were your children then? Okay, so my daughter was 11 and my son was 15. Okay. Another, well, this is like kind of a big topic within telling them what happened, like Mm -hmm. how how the divorce was happening. Because that made a a big difference too. Okay. Um, but I, I maybe I, I think let's let Chris have a turn because yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know but it, like, this is like a long involved yeah yeah thing. yeah yeah so well so I'm glad that you yeah explained that portion because again talking about the personality of the divorces uh, you've just set that up where I can tell this is going down a financial road clearly oh, yeah. um, and Chris I think you have a little bit different story to tell us would you tell us how your your divorce progressed yeah ab- absolutely so as I mentioned last time you know mine started with a custody stu- suit that she filed against me but n- not a divorce right so so she was just going after the kids for a year it went on for about a year I had already met Lisa was already dating Lisa and Lisa was asking me why aren't you getting divorced well I was like before- you're divorced right and he's like, actually, I'm not. I'm like, I'm not dating someone who's not divorced. Like, no, no, no. I've never heard of this. Yeah, you can file. You can be married to somebody and file for sole custody. Now, she wasn't filing for filing for sole, but she was filing for terms that she wanted. And actually, they ended up being pretty much what we ended up with. Where it really, where things ramped up, and where we started to get like the the guardian ad litem and the evaluators and like all the the nastiness was when I filed for divorce Mm. because I went to my attorney. I said, this is, this is like crazy where we have this custody suit. Clearly we're going to get divorced. And that by then I kind of understood enough to say, well, let's get out of family court. And in New York, you know, again, I mentioned this last time, 
divorces are in what's called uh, sta state superior court. Right, which is like you said, why so, you can file. Because uh, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. And so this is just fascinating to me. Okay, go ahead. So we we petitioned the court to roll them together and make it a regular divorce of which custody is only one aspect. And we won that. That doesn't mean things went well from there. She had left a year before approximately and was saying horrible things about me everywhere. And still she was like narcissistic abandonment when she felt abandoned when I filed for, for divorce. She even said, I forget where she, she said, this. she said, she said, I was suing her. I just filed for divorce. That's how it, <laughs> how it is. And so at this point I am neck deep in the court system. And I only not, not that long ago heard a really interesting recording where somebody was talking about corruption in the family court and how the attorneys and the therapists and the guardians and all, all of these actors are all in concert to empty your pocket. Yeah. You know, they're yes. the, the first time you sit down with a lawyer and they say, bring all your financials. They want to know how much is there. There's there's some really, really sad them. stories out there. There's some really yeah, sad stories. Right. We, we know, Lisa and I know some very good attorneys, very yeah. ethical attorneys. Oh, absolutely. Also. Absolutely. The, the family, family law world is just filled with. So my experience in court, I, I mentioned, I don't think I've said it on this uh, episode yet. My divorce took three years, two years after I actually filed for it and cost $300,000. But my experience in court was, it was just a nightmare. I was obviously emotionally why is this going on? I'm worried about money. I'm worried about the custody. Um, I, the judges kept changing. Like Lisa in Connecticut had the same judge for a lot of a lot of her stuff. I had one one time that seemed very friendly and get, you know said the child support will be this, and then hours later that person was you know, out to lunch. So we saw a different judge and it got pegged at a totally different amount. That's going to cost me tens of thousands of dollars over the year. When I sort of have my um, reality talk with clients, I let them know, like, you know, I don't mean to be a bummer here, but it depends on not only your judge, what side of the bed they got up that morning. Um, what, like, it's just a crapshoot. You know, it's so easy to get labeled as the crazy one. If you react emotionally and all kinds of stuff, but yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just tell one little, cause I, I know we had talked a little bit about maybe mentioning specific stories. Yes. From court. So I have one and I, I'll try and keep this as short as I can. But I went into court one time, my attorney, a lot of times the judge would meet with just counsel, not with the parties. Okay. And my attorney comes back after one of these meetings and says, you got a problem. There was some project your, your son didn't turn in for school. So the judge comes out, he rails at me. This was one of the bad judges that didn't like me. And the long and the short of it was I had to write her a check the next day for $10,000 like, to cover her legal fees. And I was like, what was this about? Um, she'd accused me of having my son not turning in this project when a, it wasn't true. He not only turned it in on time, but he got a 100 on it. Okay. B the day before when he was working on it was the day of the Super Bowl, And we had a party planned, but I had him do the project anyway. And that day also happened to be her birthday, his mom's birthday. And I let her keep him for, for a couple extra hours to have lunch with her on her birthday, but he still got the project done. The other Counsel just lied to the judge and I'm out $10,000 or like, like that. So on a, a total lie. And my, my dad is a, is a patent attorney. So nothing with family law, but he said, Chris's attorney should have gone back and corrected that. So I know, and, and a couple of things swirl around in your mind, because I, I had a horrible attorney, my, for my first one as well. And it's like, are you either so bad and so negligent or are there shenanigans going on? Mm -hmm. Are you meeting his attorney or her attorney in the back of the courthouse later? So he, she, you know, you can hand him or her five grand, split it right oh, down. Yeah. You know, I mean, I hate to be, make people paranoid and whatnot, but just sort of alluding to your comment earlier. I know. 
it's not paranoia. I mean, and that's the thing that we, especially when we'll get to maybe a little later with my legal abuse support group, you have to make it clear. Divorce is a huge money-making industry. And even though your lawyer is supposed to be your ally, it's a bit of a conflict of interest because the longer the conflict drags out, the more money they make. You know, I see that my ex's attorney is financially abusing him. Yeah. So it's weird. Like she's driving me crazy, but he's, she's like totally playing him. He's the perfect client for a bad oh, absolutely. Lawyer. She knows what buttons to push. Yeah. To get him riled up to keep it going still. So yeah. thank you for saying that because Lisa, let's go back to you. And, um, you know, speaking of the post-separation abuse wheel, like what in yours clearly was financial, what were you experiencing? Okay. So yeah, it's, it's all financial. I've been the sole parent. He has not had, you know, my kids have been no contact pretty much since the beginning, a little here and there, but it just, you know, it didn't work out. So it's all been money. Now with having no contact and my kids being old enough to make that decision, you know, like I said, my daughter's going to be 18 and my son's 21 already. Um, you know, they were already like teenagers so they could figure out what was going on. My ex really resented that. Mm. I had some very protective language. Like we did the parenting agreement in mediation, but my lawyer insisted on writing it himself. And so he, he, I'm, he was such an awesome attorney awesome. in that way. Like he included very specific language that made it basically my kid's choice about visitation said, here's the basic schedule, but it's kind of open-ended, but it's really up to the kids and their therapists. I just talked about that in one of my legal abuse support groups, like that protected my kids and me for years. Cause we could just say, nope, but it says that here, it says they get to choose. So we didn't have to go, but it wasn't a judge that chose. It was my kids because that one little line that my lawyer thought to put in there. So good. So good. Yeah. And this is exactly why I want people to hear these stories because there's those little nuggets that, you know, maybe it's something you suggest to your attorney or yeah, whatever huge. it is. But, yeah. It was huge. I, I avoided the custody battle with, with this one line. I avoided my kids being forced to live with this monster even temporarily. Right. Because, but, but, but we got it through mediation because on paper, it also said, you know, joint legal custody and he gets to see him whenever he wants and blah, blah, blah. And every right. other year we get this. So, so he was appeased and I was appeased even more. The custody was all tied up and that was oh, awesome. the financial. Yes, yes. We've got the financial. And so do you have any specific stories as well? Oh yeah. About what? Yeah. Let's yeah. hear it. So my thing, the divorce took me $100,000 and a year because I did have a great attorney, but he had never dealt with this kind of personality. And, and my ex fired his first attorney and got a lawyer just like him. And my lawyer called me and said, I know this woman, like we're going to try, it's going to, and the bills just shot up within three months because mm. of the back and forth nonsense. You know, everything we always say, if we had known then what we know now, like techniques with, with dealing with these people in court and attorneys. So it went for a full year. Thing that made him finally settle was the threat of trial. I mm. finally, my, my lawyer was like, we're going to spend all this money if we go to trial. I said, you know what? This is the only thing that's going to work because everything with him is money. Yeah. If he hears that it's going to cost 50,000 more dollars to go to trial, I think that's the only chance we have to make it end here. And it worked. But the day of the divorce, like just going in to sign the papers, they stood up and were protesting, saying, we're not going to do it. And then the judge was like, look, like you can't do that. You kind of have to at this point. And, and so we did it. The thing that my, my lawyer said we, that he wouldn't agree to was the college stuff. So my lawyer said, you're going to have, let's just, let's just get it over with, run down to town hall and get the title, you know, to the house all taken care of. But you're going to have to go back in a couple of years because we didn't finish this little part with college education. Because in Connecticut and in most states, you have to figure out the percentages of the split of who's okay. going to pay what for college. 
college. So my lawyer said, you do what you can on your own, but you see, he just drains you financially. So he, yep. you're going to go right back into it. In the meantime, what I want you to do, and again, great tip for anyone listening, already plan it like you're going back to court. You are building your case right now. So every yes. email you send, I want you to keep track of it. I want you to keep him in the loop of all the college search stuff, whether he responds or not. This is going to be your thing. And, you know, a year later, a year and a half, I filed the motion. I had everything there. I am still in court, but to get the college stuff taken care of took about a, a full year and like, oh my God, dozens of dozens of court appearances, but three straight hearings. I finally got really, really good orders from 2018. He still hasn't paid it. I'm shocked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was going to say, and even though it's a financial issue, I think my ex's thing is that because he has no contact with the kids, mm-hmm. he looks bad. And he had a really bad father. He, his thing was, I am so much better of a parent than my father. So to now have a worse situation where his kids want nothing to do with him for years, yeah. he's withholding money from them, child support and educational support. So he hasn't paid and we have gone on and on and on. And so you know, he just, away. like you said, his thing was money. And it was, and, and it's so important to identify that. And usually it becomes pretty obvious, you know, from the get-go, but I I always like to talk about leverage. Like you said, about going to court, you have to know what your leverage is. Um, And then again, going back into his past and seeing why this is triggering him. And then again, his weapon, he picks up the money gun. It's interesting because it's all a similar script mm-hmm. right and, and it's not just it's not just understanding the leverage you have over them but making sure they don't know to the greatest extent possible the leverage they have over you yes yeah. so if i could have done more to maybe be not appear so you know um concerned about custody yeah can i say yeah. one more thing about the money yeah, yeah. my situation absolutely no because yeah so go back and please talk um a little bit more about that and so just identifying it that's why you know this wheel has been been conceived because now we have names for this it is financial abuse it is legal abuse the other day i heard one um you know it was medical abuse and yeah. like constantly keeping the kids in the doctor and it just a oh, whole thing. Oh, but right. There's it just every Big tactic possible. My oh my gosh. So there you go. Okay. So sorry, Lisa, what were you going to yeah. say? So with, but the thing is knowing that everything with him is money and my lawyer's super smart advice about, you know, document your case. So I used to be a high school English teacher and I felt like those skills really helped me say, you know what? I can like publicly speak and be comfortable and organized and almost like in the classroom and sort of command the courtroom. And I, I won all my you know, I won every motion against him. I found out with the college stuff. I talk, I use a lot of the free services that the court offers. Ours do, I think probably a lot of courts when it's not COVID have like volunteer attorneys. You can talk to for like 20 minutes and just ask specific questions. And this one woman said, you've got a, you've got a fraud case here with the divorce. He hid assets, but what you can do is go back for a modification. You know, got little tips here and there from people. And I, I went back and, and got the money. But the thing was knowing that money was his issue, Mm. For me to go pro se and now have saved well over half a million dollars in legal fees, he's paying Connecticut attorneys, he's paying New York attorneys. I've learned how to flip the system onto him. You want to, he wasted all my time and money. Mm. I've learned technique and I share this in our legal abuse support group of like things that you can do, especially if you're pro se. You know, I have my, it's my time. It takes time and it's a lot of work and it's, you know, it really depends on the certain type of personality you have. You have to be really strong, you know, and even then it's hard, 
but I figured out ways to turn it on him. And that's it, fantastic. It feels really good to be like, oh, you want to, money's your thing. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to drain you now. And thank you for bringing that up because you guys have amazing workshops on your website. So everyone listening, go on there and check out all of the different things they have available. Um, been there, got out.com. And I want to talk about a few others that you guys have specifically because the legal abuse one is so awesome that you have that. People need to understand that and how to navigate and any tidbit of information is is so helpful. Um, but Chris, what what specifically were the kinds of abuse I like to, and you got to pay the $10,000 check. And so in that way, it was legal abuse. She was using the court system. Well, and and it's also a stage for them, right? They can put on it for, for at least mine, mine's a, you know, very, just loves the attention and I, I had over time learned about boundaries and not responded emotionally to her. And I started uh, having less contact and, and I was kind of shutting off the different avenues she had to get to me. But the court was a great way yeah. you know, for her to go up and rail at me and call me horrible things and you know lie and then have her attorney interrupt me. And oh, it, like after Lisa and I started dating, her, her attorney would roll her eyes and go, you know, his girlfriend, like, no, like paramour. this. Yeah. Oh, she used the term paramour. And it was just anything to like belittle and cut on me in, in this one forum that was a very public B when I'm already, it's stressful being yeah. in court, right? I'm oh. already on edge and, and there's an impact, right? Like a decision might be made that really harms you or benefits you or, or whatever. So there's, there's just a lot of stress. She used the legal system. We had all kinds of, we had the, uh, we call it an attorney for the children in New York. It's a guardian. I'd lead them. Right. I've heard some different terms. You're right. But but we would have meetings with him. We had psychological evaluations of us as parents, lots of meeting, lots of, you know, and, and then even after uh, late in the divorce process, before it was finalized, the court specified a particular co-parenting coordinator. I mentioned earlier how the system is corrupt and everybody's got their hand in the pot. Yes. This guy, he's got a book. He's even got patches on the sleeves of his tweed jacket. Like oh. he's straight out of central casting. You think he, I think he must have a pipe, you know, and not even a straight, but like one of those curvy pipes like Sherlock Holmes. Wow. Um, he's, a, he's a caricature. And we sit down with the guy as, as we're trying to explain the level, or I'm trying to explain the level of conflict. He's saying, well, you need to get over that and sit together at the Little League games and sit together at graduation and all this. And it's just like, I thought you were the most respected one here in our county. And you know what? All that money that he spent, that they spent on that, it didn't change anything. It yeah. was the same thing as the beginning. It's, it's pretty wow. much practically 50, 50. So like, what was all of that for? Yep. All these people made thousands and thousands of dollars. And it was, it was, it was, as you guys were saying earlier, you know, trying to drain me financially, trying to continue to control me emotionally, threatening me with the kids. It was all just a game and she's tried. And <laughs> So we settled in April of 2017 and the judge had sat on a judge's desk or whatever until September of 2017. 10 days after I got notification that yes, I'm legally divorced, it's over. I was served with papers. She was bringing me back to court, trying to completely change custody. 10 days, Ten days after right? three years. To try and change it to every other, the, what I mentioned earlier, every other weekend and one night a week. Well, that was really the last time that I completely freaked out yeah. when I saw that. I. Now, if I got one of those, I, I thank the process server and say, oh, you know, you've made my day and I, I'd laugh about it. 
Yeah. But I was, that was the last time I was really freaked out. I didn't need to be because we got to court and a judge who at other times had been horrible, basically, you know, crushed my ex. Like, what are you doing? You signed this agreement willingly. It was, it was just finalized. What's changed. And she lost it. My, my ex lost it. And she was, she, she was admonished for interrupting the judge. Wow. And she was saying, you know, for me, it was a big, it didn't change anything, but it was a giant moral victory, you know, where, where um, my ex even screamed something about, so we can abuse the children. Yeah. yeah. But you know what the, remember the judge said Whoa. though, oh, wait a second, but you're saying he abuses the kids. And why did you agree to all of that? Why did you agree? You can't just suddenly yeah. come up with all this stuff that you already knew it. Yeah. She's like, right. well, how long were you married to the guy? Then you already knew it. Why are you saying it now after your agreement? I was you know, say as well, there's no emotional justice, right? Because even though you won, you know, look at the the finances, look at the stress, look at your kids. I'm sure they were feeling it. So no, nobody really wins, but it's so hard because these journeys are so long and so painful. If you can just hang in there, they can't do it for, they screw up at some point and it's really hard. And that's why it's so important to find any kind of support that you can and find people that have been through it. And I know that's why now we do what we do, right? Because we have to help anyone on this journey and just help and hold their hand because it's a long road. And, and it's so important to get yourself up to, because most people when they're starting this process are so just emotionally, they're a wreck. Yeah. And to get yourself into the right mindset, to educate yourself and ramp up quickly so you don't make mistakes early on that can't be corrected later. Right, right. Absolutely. No, and to your point, Lisa, that one little sentence kept you out of court. For years, you know, so having the right team again, the right attorney, um, you know, me, you and I didn't do so good the first time around on our first attorneys, Chris, but it's yeah. so it's tough. And so having having help picking those out and and so many experts that come into your sphere, like you said, the parenting coordinator, the GAL, you know, if it takes a custody route, there's all kinds of those, the psych evaluators and you need to know how to present to these people. You need to know what they're looking for. You need to know what the judge is looking for. It's just, you need the inside scoop on all of it. You know, Absolutely. You're, you're opening the door for me to do a plug for the legal, my new legal abuse support. Group. Yes, please do. So we just started this like a little over a month ago. Um, but, you know, with me being in the court system now for going into my seventh year, the divorce and the post-judgment matters and still not being done cases in two states because I'm in Connecticut. The divorce is in Connecticut, but the marriage was in New York and he's in New York. Mm. So dealing with it twice and, um, but having huge success. I mean, I don't, I haven't gotten paid, but I have great orders in Connecticut. I've won at the trial court level. I've won at the appellate court level, representing myself against an attorney four appeals. He lost. That is amazing. Lisa. It's taken me like 80, whatever court appearances, but you know, you get to be, you get to have clout. At yeah, that. She, she's a tigress. <laughs> I <laughs> no, love it. Always, yeah, at, only there. And then I, oh my God. Yeah, it always takes a while to sort of process it. But also um, in Connecticut, I'm sure you've heard about Jennifer's Law. Yes. So now I've gotten involved with some um, pushing for legislation to include coercive control to expand the definition of domestic violence, especially when it regards, you know, child custody and safety issues. So you know, all this stuff. And I did live testimony, it's, you know, it was recorded, our, the videos are everywhere now. So it's, it's really important. And I feel like even though this wasn't the path I chose, I have all this knowledge yeah. and, courts, and being pro se is a big deal because Chris and I have been saying the whole time we can help pay, save people time, money, and energy, but the legal part, the money part is what people are like dying over. Like you yeah. cannot, 
like how can anybody that's why everyone gives up and so yeah. we i thought let me do there's nothing i haven't haven't seen anything like it where there's a support group that focuses purely on the legal abuse. So it's post-separation abuse and the family court system, which re-traumatizes us yep. because they extend just like with his situation where they don't hear the story and the, you know, and they just extend the abuse. People don't believe you. The judge doesn't give you time. They bend over backwards for an abuser to give that person their right to keep suing you with frivolous litigation. Yep. With me, it's going back dozens of times to say, if it says this on paper, you're saying, if he doesn't do this, you're going to put him in jail. Why haven't you done it yet? And everybody is like, how could these lawyers lie on the record? So all the things you said before about people needing to know what to expect, yeah. I thought, let's talk about it. And so I put the idea out there just on Instagram. We didn't even advertise. And we got a number of people to sign up. We do these small group meetings at noon Eastern time on Sundays and Wednesdays at 6 p.m. And people come in there. I mean, everyone's got extreme cases, but legal abuse affects 80,000 people in the United States alone. And that's from the, the legal director of DB Leap, which is a nonprofit in Washington, D.C. with you know clients all over the country. Yes who have volunteer lawyers at the appellate level who try to overturn bad um, court decisions. And it's hard because, you know, it, there's, there's less of a chance to overturn, you know, appeal is, is harder to overturn. Right. Than the, than the original ruling. Yeah. yeah look up DV Leap, folks. If, if that's also, you know, especially oh, if yeah. some bad calls um, made. Yeah. That's, they're an amazing organization. So right. 80,000 people. Yeah. I believe it. Chris, what? Yeah. But this, I was going to say this, this need that people have, you know, um, with, with the group that we do from in terms of providing emotional support, but the bigger picture, right, where they need education and they need to strategize and all that, that really speaks, you know, volumes about the work that you do in your coaching business. You Thank know, you. I appreciate that. Well, phenomenal. it's like I said, it's a path. We're coming to this with a passion to help other people. And uh, I, I, you know, I was in the fetal position so many times oh, <laughs> during yeah. my marriage. Oh, and, yeah. and I did make bad decisions because I wasn't leaning on anyone in this way. And there just really wasn't, there really wasn't anybody. And, you know, it was quite a bit after my divorce that someone looked at me and said, why aren't you a divorce coach? And I'm like, that's a thing, right, <laughs> you know? Right. And so it's getting a little more prevalent. We're getting the word out there. We're a growing number of people. And so, but yeah, absolutely. It, it just, it's, it's money well spent, honestly. And I know that sounds like a plug for myself, but then I always follow it up with go to one mom's battle um, and, or HC high conflict divorce coach. They have lists of high conflict divorce coaches. It doesn't have to be me, but yeah, get that support because, or come, you know, call you guys, look up your website, see if you can join support groups, get the help. Yeah. I mean, I always stress to our people that, you know, your lawyers there to do a job. If you have an attorney, they are not your therapist. They do their thing. You manage, you need to manage them. And we teach about ways that you can help manage your lawyer, not, not micromanage, right? You have to stay on top of your case when you're dealing with these kind of people. And that's with pro se. I, I always say, I know my case better than anybody. Yep. You know, so, so that's a benefit besides saving all this money, but so your lawyer is doing his or her job. And then you need emotional support because again, this is something we tell our clients. It's like, you, it's like training for a war. Yeah. You need to strategize and you need to become physically strong as well. You need to get in shape as well as emotionally. So you need a, a tremendous amount of support and it's not something that you can do alone because right. it takes years. No, you know, exactly. I mean, I'm still in it. I'm well, and, and you only have control over yourself. You're right. So do those things for yourself because you have no control over what's coming. Um, but 
you know what? There are people here to help like you guys and like me. And really quick, before we close out this part two of our segment, I wanted you guys to um, talk a little bit about, because you have some other workshops on your website. You know, if, if you go to our homepage of binthergotout.com, there's a um, enroll, the, now. enroll now at the top, or just go to learning.binthergotout.com. And we have, you know, we, Lisa and I talk about this all the time. If you go way back to the beginning, you're in a toxic relationship and you go way to the end and you're like where we're almost at in terms mm-hmm. of where we're mostly out of the, or I'm out of the court system, you're winning in the courts, but you're not out yet, right. but we're happily, we've, you know, we're mostly over the trauma we're very happily together for six years now. But if you look at that whole process, it's like A to Z, right? And there are so many things. It's a long, long journey. So what we've tried to do, and not every box is filled yet, but we tried to, you know, create workshops, we call them, uh, to fill as many of those boxes as we can. So people at different steps and stages. Yeah. And some overlap. So we we came up with the first three because we had our, our community vote with what they needed help with the most. Common manipulation tactics. Like a lot of people have no idea what hoovering is and how powerful that is. Yep. Um, another was how to regain your confidence because everyone's like a puddle, you know, destroyed in the coercive control that they've experienced. Yeah. And, and was, repeating the cycle. Oh yeah. How to stop repeating the cycle. Yes. That Super one. Popular. Yes. You're absolutely right because you either are afraid to stick your toe in the water and, and even try because you don't trust yourself, right? Like what if my picker's broken? We always say, right? It, or you're just emotionally crushed and you're just like, I'm just, I'm just not even going to go out there and try anymore. That's how a lot of people are. And you know, the sad thing with that is, you know, and we know so many people they are like, I'm good. Like I'm happy. I'm on my own. I'm good. But you've let that abuser steal your potential to find love with other people. And how are you actually going to trust or how are you going to test what you've learned about boundaries? You know, if you don't put yourself out there and try again, absolutely. It's not like you have to, you now the rest of your life, you said, I'm not, you let them take that away. Well, I love the cycle of abuse workshop. So, um, everyone check that out as well. Let's say goodbye for now, because I want to talk about next you two, Um, speaking of relationships and it's so cool giving a lot of listeners out there hope if that's what they're looking for and kind of like what you were saying, Lisa, it it doesn't even have to be go find a relationship, but it's open yourself up to love from other people. So it could just be other friendships. It could be a lot of things in testing your new skills that you learned. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Guys, we'll see you in part three. (laughs) Thanks so much, Jackie.